His life settles back into a norm of sorts after two years of lockdowns, vaccines, and online schooling. We finally get ready to pack our bags and re-enter the world. QR codes and parkas traded for drink tickets and bikinis. Just anywhere that has temperatures that doesn't start with a minus in front. As we get ready to hop on planes and jet set, I can't help but think back to my last momentous trip to Europe. It was supposed to be my survivor trip, a celebration of conquering cancer, but instead became a trip of survival. Join me as I take you through how we survived attacks, accidents, and still made some of the most unforgettable memories that anyone can do, no matter where you're going. Are you one to book a trip on a whim and throw into your suitcase whatever you can easily grab? Or are you someone that plans every detail and sends copies of itineraries to everyone in your group like a globe-trotting tour guide. I can be both. But on this particular trip to Europe, I was the latter. Now, part of the reason I had meticulously planned out every detail was as a deterrent to avoid thinking of the final pathology report after my breast cancer surgery. It was 2017. I went into every detail from cabs, transportation, and even downloading Groupon for things to do at affordable costs. What I didn't plan for was the numerous times we had dodged close encounters and how it became a game of survival. Reflecting back, you can't help but laugh at some of the out-of-the-world experiences we had, but at the time, I'm not sure either of us felt that way. However, to this day, it is by far our most memorable trip, and here is why. Our European trip started with a layover in Newfoundland. Now, in 2016, my daughter, mother, and I traveled across the East Coast, but Newfoundland was not one of the places, as we weren't planning on taking a short plane ride that cost more than our entire trip. And taking a ferry with my vertigo and seasickness was a recipe for disaster waiting to happen. So, when we had this first layover, I was excited to visit the province where they say the nicest Canadians are from. They forgot to mention it was because there was nothing to do. We literally had seen the one tourist site, ate cod tongue, and walked past the jelly bean houses all by 11 a.m. We spent the next hour in Starbucks before we finally admitted we were bored and headed back to the airport. As we arrived at the airport, wondering what to do for the next seven hours before we had to be back, my phone started buzzing. I forgot to turn off my dating app. I received a message from a prospect asking if I was the girl that left Starbucks. Any other place in the world? I'd be freaking out. But knowing everything I knew about Newfoundland, and hearing about the stories in the musical Come From Away, I knew there was nothing to fear. Turned out, one of the cops that was inside Starbucks was on the same dating app. After exchanging contact information and chatting a bit, and him sending me his ID, 
he offered to take us for a tour of the city. We agreed and toured some of the sites around St. John's. We saw everything from an aquarium that was closed, which we got access to, being with a police officer, to a castle hidden behind a forest, to a beach where a whale had washed up on shore. It was while we walked closer to the whale that I had asked the universe for a sign that we were going to be okay on this trip. And that's when I saw right by my feet a golf driver cover in black with the breast cancer symbol. I took a deep breath in and knew we were going to be just fine. At the end of that layover, I had made a new friend whom I'm still friends with to this day. The very next morning, we arrived in London, England, completely tired and hungry for fish and chips. Every trip to London consists of visiting family and tourist attractions. This was no different, though this time we were staring at an Airbnb and nowhere in the description of the flat did it mention walking up three flights of narrow stairs to a tiny door that made Alice in Wonderland's rabbit hole look like a mansion. I caught my workout lugging mine and Aliana's suitcase as she was just as tall and half the size of her suitcase with double the amount of clothes. On our last evening, we had finished dinner with family, hit the shopping centers, and made our way to London Bridge. Now, I'm a sucker for lemonade, so when we saw the bright yellow-shaped lemonade stand, we had to stop. We had gotten so carried away chatting with the owners, you know, with our cool Canadian accents and being so polite, that they insisted to give us tourist information and suggested we walk past the London Eye instead of crossing London Bridge, as there was nothing to see there. So we listened, hopped on a double-decker for literally one stop to the Big Ben, and made our way to Buckingham Palace. After all, what's the point of going to London if you aren't going to visit the Queen? As we left the gates of Buckingham Palace, we noticed a slew of police cars and sirens going. Now, it was raining, like it usually does in London, and we had paper bags with really nice new clothes. So we ran for shelter, trying to dodge the emergency vehicles as they swerved through traffic. I caught a glimpse of a few police officers questioning people and grabbed a hold of Aliana and ran under a very well-lit theater. My phone had died, and I barely remembered how to get back to our place. As we arrived to our very quiet flat, I plugged in my phone, only to have it beep incessantly. Are you okay? Please contact us ASAP. The messages were piling in. I had no idea what had happened until Facebook asked me to check in after an attack on London Bridge. It was the last place I had posted I was before my phone died. June 3rd, 2017, London was under attack and we were saved all because of a lemonade stand. We wanted so badly to go home that night that we slept in a twin-size bed, Aliana crying in my arms, I awake, startled by every little noise. The next morning, we were heading to Paris on the Eurorail, and the station was empty. 
Police were everywhere, and people were shattered, in tears and consoling one another. A nation devastated by a senseless tragedy came together that morning. The somber morning was broken by laughter as an elderly woman wrapped in a sari was attempting to stand on the mobator for the very first time. She clearly wasn't told to lean forward and fell back onto the people behind her like a really bad crowd-surfing experience and then waved like the queen to everyone, saying, I'm okay, and then leaning back even further as if she was the queen ant being carried by her colony. Paris had never been a favorite of mine, and no matter how many call it the city of love, I've never loved anything more than to never have to see it. However, my daughter had been in French immersion, and what better way to practice than to immerse yourself in the language and culture, right? Well, that didn't go over as planned, as the very first moment this little three-and-a-half-foot girl started speaking French, it was to try and get our luggage back from a fake cab driver holding it for ransom. Now, Aliana had been studying French in school, but I'm sure the words she spoke weren't taught by her teachers. The short, muscular man stormed over and started shouting at my daughter. This is where the mama bear and me came out, and I stood in front of her, blocking him from getting closer. The man picked me up, pushed me aside, and went after my daughter. Luckily, as I was running towards him, another really tall, fridge-like of a man stood in front of Aliana. He picked up this man and pinned him to the ground. He motioned for us to get into his cab, which we did, and not knowing what was going to happen next, we sat there and watched as a police officer came, arrested the man, and the tall, fridge-looking man came into the cab asking if we were okay. Aliana, with no fear, started speaking in French and made friends with our hero. He ended up taking us to Champs-Élysées, where we watched the Drones Festival, always watching over our shoulders. When we finally sat at a bistro to eat, I briefed Aliana on how to flip a table in case of a shooting and to look for back escapes in the restaurant in case the streets became dangerous. We were traumatized, living in fear, and every moment felt like a horror movie. We walked towards the Eiffel Tower, and even though security was in full force, we couldn't help but run when we saw police officers running past us. We knew that if they were running towards something or someone, the best thing to do was to run the opposite way. We had had too many scares for the last two days that I was more than happy to call it a night and get back to our hotel. The next stop was Venice, Italy. We had both felt so much safer on the streets that played music, people were dancing, and gondola rides looked like it did in the movies. We ate pizza and pasta on the steps of Venice, with passerbys waving as they rode in the waters below. We even took a ride of our own with a couple we met while eating dinner one night. All was perfect in Venice until our last day when it rained. The city that glistened 
with the hot summer sun was filled with raindrops, and that made for very slippery marble stairs. If you've ever been to Venice, you know that the famous Rialto Bridge has marble-type stairs and are very dangerous on a regular day. Add rain, and that's a recipe for a disaster. I know. I went flying down those stairs. It didn't help that I had on slippers that were so worn out that they started to angle inward. I must have been a sight to see as a man came to my rescue and started asking me questions. I thought maybe he was trying to pick me up, figuratively and literally. But no, he was just making sure I didn't have a concussion. Though, he himself didn't even know what day it was. He had to ask his wife. That's when my fairy tale ended. So, bruised ego and a sore behind, I decided once the rain stopped, I would walk back down the bridge, going in the right direction, but really taking my time. I got to the second last step and with confidence puffed out my chest and walked down the other two steps until whoosh! Straight down to the bottom I fell again. This time, an elderly lady came out carrying a bag of ice. Like she knew I was going to tumble like Jack and Jill down a hill. This time, I had a nice shiny bump to match my bruised ego. Our next stop was Milan. And I don't know about any of you, but when I was growing up, I remembered hearing in a movie, I'm going to have lunch in Milan. And I thought, That would be awesome. So I tried it. We hopped on a train, landed in Milan for a few hours, and decided to have lunch. It was 8 a.m. by the time we arrived, so we thought, what would any tourist do in Milan for a day? Shop, obviously. We asked the cab driver to take us to the best shopping area, in the very little English Italian I could speak, and he nodded his head. A few minutes later, We arrived in a back alley of a building. The man motioned for us to go down the alley to find the shop. We thought, heck, why not? So we got out and followed the path to a store. Yes, a single store with bars on it. It was closed. This could not be fashion capital of the world. The only place open that early was a Korean bakery with a toilet where you had to squat in a hole. And after hearing the rat stories on a trip to India, I was not taking chances again. So we walked. And after two hours of walking aimlessly, trying to find things to do in this sleeping city, we gave in and took a cab back to the train station. As we were about to pull in, I saw a sign that caught my eye. Designer shoe sale up to 90% off last day. I had the cab driver stop the vehicle and jumped out with Aliana to the store that seemed to call my name. I saw the most beautiful pair of platform heels that weighed a ton and were monstrous, but they were the perfect fashion statement. So I bought them and wasted no time putting them on. We made our way back to the station, had lunch in Milan, and grabbed our luggage to head towards Rome. My suitcase was stuck on the Movator, so like any smart human being, 
I kicked it with my new shoes. I suddenly realized why they were so cheap. The heel broke and I went falling. There I was holding my heavy shoes in one hand, my suitcase in the other, and back into my worn out slippers on my way to Rome. Rome was by far one of our favorite cities. The sights, the food, and even the people were some of the most friendliest we had met thus far. Even if I was called India by locals, I knew they didn't mean it in an offensive way. However, I did give them a geography lesson on where India was located in respect to Canada, where I happened to be born and raised. We were fortunate to be blessed by the Pope, who had been in Vatican that Sunday while we were visiting. So, what was the crazy adventure here, you wonder? Well, it was on day two. Aliana and I were going sightseeing when I realized I forgot my camera inside the condo. As we went back, there was a young man behind us. He started speaking in Italian to the guys beside him, but moved closer to us. Not knowing his intentions, we walked the opposite direction, to which he followed. We went into a store, and again, he followed. So this time, we decided to go into the condo fast. As he followed, I asked him if he had a key to the building, thinking this was a way to figure out why he was following us and to get him to stay out of the building. But he had a key. Aliana and I rushed into the condo. We looked out the peephole and then dashed out with the camera in hand. There he was, standing on the side, waiting. I approached him, Aliana behind me so I could protect her, and this man started professing his love for me. He was convinced he wanted to marry me. No, he was not part of any of the proposals. He didn't understand no, so I had Aliana get back into the condo and warned him I was going to call my family and the police if he didn't leave. That didn't work. So I called the hostess of the condo we rented. A beautiful young Italian lady and her father came to our rescue. I had taken a picture of the man just in case anything happened and sent it to the family we were staying with. The father spoke to him, told him we were his family, and for the rest of that trip, we never saw that man again. In fact, we were greeted by every shop owner in the area every day and walked the streets till 1am without any fear. There was just one night where we ate sushi and like a scene from a movie, a tall man and a short man, both in suits, walked into the restaurant and were escorted behind curtains. We asked for the check and made our way back home. Santorini was our last stop before heading to London. And all those pictures you see of the city with the blue rooftops and the white buildings with luscious flower bushes is not an exaggeration. The place was breathtaking. Our apartment was right on Parisa Beach, where black hot sand covered the shorelines. Since it was too hot to walk the beach barefoot, we decided to take a stroll along the cobblestone streets. That's when I saw a sign for an ATV rental. 24 hours for 24 euros? I mean, who wouldn't take that offer? So we checked it out. The couple that owned the place were very pleasant and made the paperwork quite simple. We did a few test runs and soon enough, Aliana and I were driving along the coast of Santorini.
we decided to drive up to Fira, the main town, and go shopping. Let me tell you, it is scary driving those narrow streets with cliffs on one side and large buses heading towards you on the other. But we managed. Of course, we shopped and ate. By this point, we were in search for stretchy pants, a must when traveling to Europe. On the way back, around siesta time in the late afternoon, we drove back the same road. My helmet had become loose, so we pulled over to the side of the road. I adjusted my helmet and showed Aliana how to lock her arms around my waist for better protection. Good thing we did, as a few minutes later, a drunk motorist came from out of a pub parking lot and hit us dead on. We went flying. Aliana landed on my back on the highway. Our ATV was wrapped around an electrical pole. Thankfully, there were many witnesses who chased the man down and made him come back, but the police were too eager to make him disappear unless we gave them an incentive to make the report show up. Basically, bribe them with money. As they tried to tell me I was driving with an illegal permit, I reminded them of the place that rented me the ATV that would be liable for damages since they checked my license and insurance before the rental. Suddenly, we were taken to the hospital, treated like family by all the locals, and even invited to family homes by the owners of the ATV place. We held no grudges as we were truly thankful that other than a few cuts and a bruised kidney, we were still alive. We came to find out by the surgeon that seven others were injured in accidents at that same place that very day, each of the accidents ending with a life. We had been protected once again. Our last stop was back to London, where we spent the night with one of our closest friends, visiting sites and going to pray. It was a holy night, and after our adventures, we needed to give thanks. In between one of the ceremonies, my friend got on his knee and proposed. This is the one where I said maybe, and then we agreed not to in order to save our friendship. But that afternoon, prior to the proposal and prayer, Aliana and I had gone shopping again. I was on a mission to find a replacement for the slippers that were responsible for the Rialto Bridge Falls and my bruised ego. Aliana was in front of me and chatting away when, whoosh, I slipped and fell on a puddle on the floor in the middle of the women's section at Primark. Aliana turned around and when she didn't see me behind her, she went towards the crowd of people behind her. There I was on the ground laughing hysterically. I threw away those slippers so fast that there was no chance of wearing them again. I'd be barefoot before I put those things on ever. So, those were our crazy, sometimes frightening adventures in Europe. And as we get ready to embark on yet another adventure, I recall the most memorable moments on that vacation It wasn't while posting on social media or letting the world know our every move. It was being fully present in every moment, laughing when your ego is bruised and being thankful for little things like the lemonade stand and a friendly face or a hug after a night of tragedy. 
It's about capturing those candid moments, taking a breath, and trusting the universe to have your back. So as you head away, or even if you're enjoying a staycation, take time to enjoy being present. Live each moment, love fully, and laugh until your belly hurts. Until next time.